Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew 13, 31 through 35. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will speak. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. Hi. How are you? I missed you last week. Houston was wonderful. Thank you for letting me be gone. Um, Chad was wonderful. If you want to clap for him, you can. He'll love that. Yeah. Um, Okay, this is hilarious because I feel like sometimes we have like feast and famine of announcements. And I have yet another announcement uh, for you. But this is a fun one. Um, We have like a whisper of a building which is kind of exciting. We've been here in this auditorium for six and a half years. If you had told me it would be over one year, I would not have signed up to plant this church. Um, But (laughs) it's been wonderful, and we're so thankful. And so I'm calling this a whisper of a building because that is literally what it is. It is a whisper of a building or a shadow of a building. We can kind of see a building. Uh, But we're in communications uh, with a a more permanent location for us, which is... Uh, very exciting. It's it's close to here. Um, I'll have more details as more details come. Um, but here's why I want to tell you that um, because um, it's it, I, I just want to one let you know we if you know our church well uh, we just are like adamantly against secrets or hiding things or or things like that. And so I just always want you to know what's going on behind the scenes, um, even if it means that next week I have to stand up and be like uh, the the whisper ended. <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no more building. We We've done that plenty of times, um, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we don't do that. So if, I'm sure you have a million questions. I'll answer whatever I can. Um, right now, the only secrets are in protection of the people that we're in conversation with. So, um, but, but that's where we are. Here's what that means. I just also want to give you a really, and I'll talk about this over the next coming weeks. Um, we do like a yearly financial document to show you how we spend money, um, which I am very adamant about this. If you uh, visit a church ask for their finances. That is a great way to see what's happening behind the, behind the scenes. So those are going to come to you in the next couple months. But um, here's where we are on, on this Whisper of a Building. We uh, have a, a good chunk of money in savings. Like for the size of our church, I am blown away by, by how, how much money we have in savings. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It feels like a miracle. Uh, every month I get the numbers and I'm like, who put that there? We did. It's amazing. So um, when we look for whispers of a building, um, we're in a great place as far as a big chunk of money. But where we have room to grow is in our monthly revenue. 
So um, for a small church, we uh, have a, a very small monthly revenue statistically. So um, what we're trying to do is in these conversations to see this building, it's, it's, a, it's going to be a, a, a while away, it's months away, um, to when it would be available. So our goal over the next few months, um, before we do any sort of like capital campaign or anything like that, is just to increase our monthly revenue. So uh, here's why I'm telling you that. Would you consider uh, what, it is everything I have not to use that parable to say, would you plant a seed that will then grow into, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I actually do not think that's what Jesus was talking about. That would be very wrong, but Chad dared me to do it backstage. So that's why I'm saying it now. Um, But but would you do this? Would you consider what giving looks like uh, to you? Would you look at your, I kind of said this last week with the tax letter, but would you look at your finances and say, yes, I'm giving what I want to be giving, or oops, I meant to, or things like that, Um, and will you prayerfully consider uh, what it might look like to help us uh, increase our monthly revenue? Here's the other thing. If you have questions about that, um, that is not like a weird thing to me for people to ask questions about money or whatever. It might be free. I mean, it is weird, but it's like, it's a normal thing. Um, I, I work for a church, but I'm also a human, and I know that money in churches has been a really sticky thing for a long time all over our country, right? And so if you have questions, uh, I would love to answer them. Johnny's not here this morning because he's talking to the Maryville campus about money. Um, but he, he will be here next week, and he would be glad to answer any questions or things like that. So, But, yeah, so whisper. We pray. We pray, like, for wisdom for us. And um, I don't know. We'll see. Is that, is that good? Okay. Yeah. I was really ex- expecting, like, a giant round of applause, Allison. Thank you for getting that. So I'm just Anyone who's been on the setup team just clapped louder than everybody else. So uh, let's pray, and then I want to jump right in. So, Father, as we breathe out announcements, I pray that uh, we would breathe in your spirit. We believe that you are here, and we believe that you are with us, and we believe that you are moving. And so I just ask in these next few minutes, would you wake us up to that? I just have this incredibly strong sense that you want to offer us some fresh imagination and some fresh lenses and, and, and ways of viewing things. And so I just, I just ask that um, you would clear out space in our minds and clear out space in our hearts um, for how you might want to do that today. Would you give us uh, kingdom ears and kingdom eyes and kingdom hearts and kingdom desires? In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so for the last few weeks, we have been talking about the kingdom of God. For the next few weeks, we will be talking about the kingdom of God. Um, I'm not normally one to pump our podcast, but if you missed the last uh, week or two weeks, Chad did absolutely incredible. And so go back and listen because they were so, 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 so good. Um, also, if you are jumping in this week, maybe we, um, we haven't seen you uh, COVID is, is a delight. Um, but uh, we kind of started this whole thing out with a video from the Bible Project. And I believe on the calendars that are on your chairs, uh, I think on the resources on the back, that's part of the resources. If not, you can find it on our social media. But that video is really kind of the thing that we're, we've been basing the entire series on. And so um, if you are looking for more information about the kingdom of God, that, that is, is your best bet. I cannot recommend that video enough. There's actually two on there. They're both great. But the uh, heaven and earth one is the one I'm talking about. So um, anyway, so, okay, a few years ago, uh, I met my friend Buddy Odom for coffee. 
And if you've heard the story, sometimes when you're a preacher, you have stories uh, that just sort of take up residence in you and you tell them over and over and over again. And this is one of those for me. So if you've heard it before, don't stop me. And I'm going to tell it again because I love it. And I'll tell it again in a month or two because I love it. But um, I met my friend Buddy Odom for coffee uh, and it changed my life. It legitimately did. I don't know if you've had a coffee uh, that changed your life, but this one changed my life. He, um, I'm setting up a meeting with him. I said, can we meet? And he said, yeah, you want to meet for coffee? And I say, yeah. And uh, he says, Starbucks? And I say, sure. And he says, on North Shore? Great. He said, in the Kroger? And I said, excuse me? Have you all met anyone for coffee in the Kroger? That is an absurd, <laughs> Chad raised his hand because he met Buddy Odom in the, coffee, in the Kroger <laughs> for Starbucks. That is an absurd place to meet someone. There is a freestanding Starbucks that you can see from the Kroger, and we meet at the Kroger. Um, so uh, I'm meeting with Buddy because he was uh, pastoring me through a really difficult time in my life. It was the first year of this church. And um, about nine months into the planning of this church, my life blew up, just absolutely exploded. And it was this awful and traumatic season where I felt like, do you ever have those times where you feel like uh, everything is kind of floating in the air around you, but you can't like grab on to anything? Or maybe uh, you're drowning in the ocean, you can see the sun, but you can't quite get to the surface. That, that was the season. It, it was Uh, really, really hard. Like I took three months off of being the pastor of this church in the first year of this church. I I often think that I could write a very long book about what not to do on planning a church because I lived all of those things. Um, But but it it was a very, very difficult time. So during the season, uh, Buddy and I would meet up occasionally. And essentially what those meetings look like is I would uh, sit with him and I would just cry. And I would tell him how hard things were and how I couldn't find a way out of it. And then I would over and over and over again wonder if I was going to be a pastor anymore. And I think that was my big question. Maybe you relate if you've had traumatic seasons of your life where your big question is, who am I on the other side of this trauma? Like, what do I look like on the other side of this really uh, difficult thing? And so I meet up with him at the Starbucks on North Shore in the freaking Kroger. And, um, and before we jump in to my tears and deep life questions of who am I, um, he was like, I got to show you something before we jumped in. And, and he shows, he brings up this slideshow uh, that he made of his wife, Kathy, painting. Uh, his wife, Kathy, is, a, they actually go here. You, you, will, you will meet them at some point in time. She's a painter, um, she, one of my favorite painters, and she travels all over the country, actually the world. She travels all over the world. She's a plein air painter, so she uh, paints outside on the spot for these competitions. It's really, really cool and fascinating. And um, everywhere she'd been, Buddy took pictures and videos of her doing uh, the thing that she was made to do. And so he's showing me this slideshow, and at some point I just start crying. Like, I'm just, I'm weeping. The only way I know to describe it is I was watching something that was almost too beautiful or too holy to watch. Have you had those moments where it's just so moving and, like, it's so beautiful and it's so holy. I'm watching someone I love do the exact thing that they were created to do, and I almost can't watch. It's so beautiful. That was the experience I was having. And, and, um, and so he shows me this intimate, beautiful, sacred video, uh, and, and, and it ends, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that was just so lovely. Um, let's talk about my sadness, and uh, which is what I came to talk about. And Buddy interrupts me, and he says, um, Hey, what would you say if Kathy uh, lost her right hand? What would you say to her? And I was like, oh, um, I don't know. So about am I a pastor? 
Let's go back to that. And he, and he interrupts me again. He was like, no, 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 just curious. What would you say to Kathy if she lost her right hand? And he was like, I, I don't know. Again, back to my problems. And so it just keeps happening. I'm trying to talk about what I came to talk about. And the man interrupts me over and over and over again saying, what would you say to my wife if she lost her right hand? And, and, and he just kept interrupting me. And eventually I got mad. Reminder, we're in the Kroger. And I raised my voice and I looked at him and I was like, buddy, why do you keep saying this? I don't know what you want me to say. And he responds louder than me and says, uh, it was this maddening moment, and he says, what I want is for you to tell me what you would say to my wife if someone cut off her right hand. <laughs> and I take his raised volume and raise it yet again, and I respond very loudly to the Kroger crowd, and I just blurt out, I don't know, buddy, I guess I would tell her she better darn well, I don't think I said darn, learn how to paint with her left hand. And then it came out, and he smiled. And he said, yep. <laughs> That's what you'd say. And I was like, yep. And he said, you're left-handed now. Can you learn how to paint with your left hand? Dang it. He got me. In a moment, my friend Buddy offered me a new lens for my sadness. A fresh imagination for what my future might look like. And I think that Jesus uses parables in much the same way. Like the one that we read today, uh, to do something similar in us. To offer us a reimagined view. A new lens to see the power and the presence and the invitation of the kingdom of God and the work of the kingdom of God. And so I really want to spend our time today looking at these two parables uh, and talking about three new lenses that I think Jesus wants to offer us through stories about mustard and bread. That, is, that sounds so funny to me because I think every country music song is about mustard and bread. And so anyway, sorry, that was just a moment I should have kept to myself. Um, three new lenses I think Jesus wants to offer us through these two stories about mustard and bread. Three reimagined views to see the power and the presence of his kingdom at work all around us. I think through these two stories, Jesus wants to offer us uh, a fresh imagination for small things, a fresh imagination for hidden things, and a fresh imagination for patience. If I go too long, don't worry, I'll skip the patience one because I don't want to talk about it either. <laughs> so let's start with small. A reimagined view of small. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And then he says it's the smallest of the seeds. And then uh, he compares it, uh, the kingdom of God, to yeast in a woman's dough. He calls it a little amount of yeast. Just to give you some context, uh, he says there's three measures of flour to make this dough. Three measures of flour is close to the equivalent of 128 cups of flour or 16 five-pound bags of flour. And so in order to get dough out of that flour, you would have to uh, put something like 40 cups of water. And so what would happen is that would make about 100 pounds of dough. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a little bit of yeast in a giant 100-pound ball of dough. Or a tiny mustard seed in the middle of a giant field. Jesus' story begins with a declaration about the kingdom of God, that there is an aspect to God's kingdom, to his rule and to his reign, that is small. Very 
very, very small. And I don't know about you, but when I think of the word kingdom or I think of kingdom of God, the first word that I have to say about it would not be small. But that's Jesus' first word here. It's his first word. To me, that seems kind of like an insult, right? We, we, we don't like things to be small. Although the other day, Graham uh, tried to address, I said, do you like this? And he said, yes, your arms look huge. And I said, oh. And he goes, oh, do girls not like their arms to look huge? And I was like, no, we like them to look very tiny. <laughs> That's the only time small works. Normally, he was like, oh, I want you to say my arms look huge. You know, like, like it, it feels like kind of an insult normally to say small. Uh, I think part of that is because of how often we have been trained uh, the opposite way of small. We have been culturally trained for all things big. Everything that we see and hear about how to make it in this world, about how to have power in this world, it all has to do with big, big houses, big bank accounts, big job descriptions, big scholarships or big brains or big acreage or projects, big social media followings or resumes or big engines. Uh, uh, We are a society where bigger is better. We know this, right? But I think sometimes we minimize how discipled we are to it. Here's an example. Um, Someone sent me an amazing quote on Instagram about communion yesterday. I actually got two amazing quotes about communion yesterday. They were both breathtaking, but um, one of them, it legitimately, it was so, it just was so beautiful, and it took my breath away, and I was like, oh, that was so good. And then the next thing I did was click um, the person's page uh, to then uh, be able to check out how many Instagram followers they had to make sure it was legit, right? It took my breath away. It was so good. And my next move is, oh, uh, I don't know if I can trust this if they have less than 1,000 followers. Because we are so discipled to big by our culture. But Jesus seems to be saying that a big part of having a kingdom imagination, a, a kingdom view of the world, is to have eyes to see the value in something small, something seemingly insignificant, something that uh, could possibly be overlooked. Like the smallest seed in the field or the smallest measured ingredient in dough. Uh, It's like he's saying, if you want to wake up and discover my kingdom in deeper ways, start with small. Start with small. He's breathing imagination and observation and value into small things. Here's something that got me this week. Um, How many of you know that there are big things in this world that will come to nothing? I heard someone say this this week, and it was like, in my mind. Um, How the people that were listening to Jesus tell this story about his kingdom, they would have associated that idea of rule and reign and power with the Roman government. That's who was in charge at the time. The Roman government was so big and so powerful. Rome was this giant empire. But as we hear this story today, Rome is no longer an empire. It's just a city. And ain't nobody afraid of their government right? There are big things in this world that will become powerless, that will become nothing. And we spend an awful lot of time looking at those things. I spend an awful lot of time looking at those things. But I think a kingdom mindset has an imagination for small, and it has an imagination for weak. It's Jesus spending time with widows and children and the overlooked and the undervalued. He had eyes to see the true eternal power that can be present in something small in a sea of big uh, yet temporary power. And I think Jesus wants to give us a fresh imagination there. If you are struggling to find Jesus in your world, in your work, in your home, start with small. 
Every teacher will tell you this. Look at a kid. They get it in a way that we don't. Start with small. Start with the, the, the person at your work that has what you consider the least amount of responsibilities. I have a friend who, who owns a business who talks about um, how often he has to, to train himself to go back on the workroom floor. To remember what seems small now, the higher up he gets. Start with small if you are struggling to find Jesus. Turn your eyes away from the big and the loud and the powerful and start looking at the things that are small and weak and seemingly insignificant. You won't find them on a 24-hour news cycle. They're, 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 they're not there, or they're very hard to find there. But with a fresh value and imagination uh, for small things, they will start to pop up everywhere. Okay, but not just small. Uh, I think as we wake up to the power and to the ministry of the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven, we will have a fresh imagination and value for hidden things. Not just small things, but hidden things. Uh, At the end of our scripture that Aaron read to us, Matthew quotes Psalm 78. It's a prophecy about Jesus that says Jesus will explain things that have been hidden since the beginning of the world. Like a seed planted in the ground or yeast folded into dough, hidden. When a seed goes into the dirt, it gets covered, right? Or it won't grow. Uh, I have a garden and I was thinking about seeds. When I get seeds from Lowe's or somewhere like that, they usually have this coating on them that's like bright and colorful. Uh, And and when I place them in the ground, I can find them. And even if I cover them up, I can kind of uh, still find them because they're like bright pink or bright purple. Um, But when I get the really good seeds, like seeds from Stan or Nick or Kyle or our friend Brad, those seeds are, are, are tiny and they're almost always brown. And as soon as they hit the dirt, I can't see them anymore. The kingdom of God is like a seed put into the dirt. The same goes with yeast. Once it's folded into the dough, it is indistinguishable from flour and from water. And what's fascinating about both of these things is that it is in their hidden state that a seed and yeast do their first works of growth. It's in their hidden state that they do their splitting and their dividing and their multiplying and their growing. Such is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Part of the kingdom has been planted just out of view. It's why it's so frustrating and hard to understand. The kingdom of God is in part a hidden mystery. But it's not an out of sight, out of mind mystery. It is a planted and splitting and dividing and growing and multiplying kind of hidden. Uh, Robert Capon, who I love, says that the chief principle of the creative, redemptive kingdom of God is that it is that it is present in all of its reconciling power, whether we pay attention to it or not. No matter how hidden it is from our eyes, its power exists in full. These are, there are things that God has planted into this world and things that he has planted in you and then covered up, they're hidden. And sometimes it takes a moment to, to uh, kind of step back and look back over our lives in order to see these things. Um, I'm in a couple of core groups here, but one of them that I'm in, um, uh, one of our folks was talking this week about uh, this part of her life where she had this huge and unimaginable tragedy, and she said this crazy thing. She said, um, she talked about how there were things that God planted in her years before her tragedy happened, that he had planted all throughout her life that ended up giving her peace and filling her with hope when the most massive trauma of her life hit. There are parts of God's kingdom in us and in the world that are planted and then covered to grow at the exact right time. Things uh, that are actively redeeming and reconciling and rescuing and resurrecting, whether we see them 
or not. And I think a fresh imagination for things like this uh, can offer us a faith that is, that's true. That no matter how things look like on the outside, it, it, it fills us with a faith that the Holy Spirit might be working in us on the inside, splitting and multiplying and growing the kingdom of God within us, hidden or not. I think this applies personally on a personal level, but I think this also applies on a cosmic level. There are things that have been hidden in the world since the very beginning of time. Like yeast making its way through bread, no single part of the bread is left untouched by the yeast. If it hasn't been touched by the yeast, it isn't bread. The yeast has always been hidden in the bread, and the kingdom of God has always been hidden in the world, filling it to its furthest corners. Uh, The poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, she says, earth is crammed with heaven. It's crammed with heaven, and it always has been. Jesus uncovering things hidden since the beginning of time. Jesus seems to say that as we follow him, uh, we will wake up to what has already been for all of time, what has been making its way into every corner and every crevice of our world, active and splitting and multiplying and growing. The kingdom view of the world, I think, offers us a lens to see the hidden work of God, not just in ourselves, but all over the world, in our joy and our trauma, and our collective stories of faith and doubt, and feast and famine in our work, and our neighborhoods, and our schools. Earth is crammed with heaven if we only have eyes to see it. And finally, uh, I think uh, that part of what Jesus has for us in this story is to offer us a new and fresh value, a fresh imagination for patience, for slow. Uh, N.T. Wright, when he writes about these parables, he says that Jesus' kingdom parables are always about waiting. What are they about first? Waiting. Today it was a farmer waiting on a seed to grow or a woman waiting on uh, yeast to rise, uh, for her bread to rise. And I picked these two stories because uh, I have some experience with them. Like I said, I dabble in gardening. Big garden planter, not a big garden harvester or weeder. Um, I've I've dabbled in gardening and making bread. Did anybody else make bread over uh, quarantine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? What else are you supposed to do? <laughs> but, but get really into uh, bread making. Um, I loved it, and I hated it. It was a very much a love-hate relationship. I loved it because fresh bread that you made with your own hands is better than any bread you've ever had in all of your life. And I hated it because if I wanted to make bread for you uh, today, I could decide I want to make bread for you today, and I might be able to get it to you on Thursday, right? When you, make it, when you make it yourself, it, it takes a very long time. No matter how many times I try to disprove this idea, bread cannot be rushed. It can't be. I would, try, I would try to turn on my oven a little bit lower to try to get the bread to rise a little bit faster. And you know what happened? It died. It didn't work. The bread ruined. What I learned about bread is that it cannot be rushed. But I really like to rush. I really like to rush. Same thing with a garden. Seeds cannot be rushed. You can plant them, cover them, fertilize them, water them, but they will grow on their own time, and they will not, and they cannot be rushed. To rush them is to kill them. Jesus seems to put a kingdom value around waiting and around patience. But waiting feels kind of absurd to us, doesn't it? It just does. It feels like a cop-out answer to an anxious and fast society. We live in a system and a culture that very much dislikes waiting. Right, I don't even have to say it. We know this. Uh, 
this is humiliating, but I have not one time, like more than once, probably closer to 10 times, said this sentence with a straight face, not kidding. Yeah, I've just gotten to an age where I don't wait anymore. That's not a thing. (laughs) There is not an age where you no longer wait in a line. But I meant it. Like, oh, no, I don't. I don't wait in lines. I've, I've gotten to that age. This is insane. I have said it and I've meant it. I think that the delay of God's kingdom, what we in the vineyard call the not yet of the kingdom of God, can sometimes make God seem absurd or uncaring or inactive in our world. Like, if he's going to renew everything anyway, if he is going to make the sad things become untrue anyway, then why doesn't he just do it? Like, why won't he just do it now? Is it not pointless pain or pointless waiting? Is it not inactivity of God or a lack of caring on the part of the God of the whole universe? Why don't he just do it? Uh, What I've learned is that when I have questions about the nature and character of God, the only place I think we can look to answer those questions is to look at the nature and character of Jesus, to look at Jesus. And in Jesus, uh, we don't see lazy or inactive or a lack of power. We don't see that anywhere in him. In Jesus, we see the opposite of those things. We see a very active and compassionate work of the kingdom. With Jesus around, evil gets defeated and uh, sadness becomes untrue and sickness becomes untrue. And yet we also see him waiting. Like before he goes to see Mary and Martha when their brother dies and he gets word, he keeps doing what he's doing. He waits. And then he gets there and he, he in compassion, weeps but still is waiting. Adam Russell, a vineyard pastor in Kentucky, I, I quote a lot, who has taught me more about the kingdom of God than maybe anyone uh, in my life. He says the kingdom of God is always playing the long game. That's what we see in Jesus. There is a quick work of the kingdom, but there is a long game of the kingdom of God. And I think that's the fresh imagination that Jesus offers us in patience. I think what Jesus is offering is like a step back and a wider view of the world. And when we reimagine our view, we're able to see uh, that the kingdom of God is not just a work of growth in a day or a work of growth in a week or a month or even a year. Uh, N.T. Wright says that the kingdom of God is so explosive that it's, it's, its growth is so much larger than what we uh, take time to see. It's not just something that grows in a day or a week or a month and a year. The kingdom of God grows explosively over entire seasons and entire lifetimes and entire generations and centuries. If these stories are about waiting, then I think maybe Jesus seems to be offering us a lens where the kingdom of God grows and advances and demonstrates itself in the exact right moment. When plants grow in the right place, when they mature in the right way, what happens is that they create more of themselves. They don't just solve the problem of one mustard plant. One mustard plant becomes a load of mustard plants. When it matures in the right way, they make seeds. When yeast grows and feeds, it is a long, slow process, but it creates more of itself in order to start other breads. The starter that I have that I use uh, for bread is 60 years old. That might gross you out if you've eaten my bread. It's 60 years old. For th- it's on its third generation of families making bread for themselves and their friends. There is something about patience and about waiting that also seems to be about more. About splitting and growing and multiplying, dividing. 
And I think that there's fresh imagination to be had uh, in the unhurried work of the kingdom of God in us and around the world. I've used this quote a ton because uh, I love it. Dallas Willard says that hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. And his dare to Jesus followers is uh, if you want to follow Jesus, the first thing you should do is ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Because the kingdom of God will not be rushed. It won't be rushed. Okay. I want to pause there. Um, we do something we call Selah here. We do it every week. It's just, it's just a breath in the middle of a service or toward the end of a service. And um, side note, do you know what makes yeast, how yeast makes bread rice? Anyone know the science? Here's how yeast makes bread rice. It creates tons and tons and tons of tiny little pockets that get filled with carbon dioxide. And when those carbon dioxide pockets are met with heat, they expand and it makes the bread rice. Warm carbon dioxide is what makes bread rice. When we take a breath, what do we breathe out? Warm carbon dioxide. The story of yeast expanding bread is a story, I think, of warm breath. It's warm breath. The kingdom of God is like a dough permeated with warm carbon monoxide. The kingdom of God is filled with the warm breath of God, the ruach of God. So let's allow some room for that breath. Not too far because COVID. Let's make room uh, for that breath. Um, Room to let the breath of God fill up not only our lungs, but our lives and our imaginations. Uh, So uh, here's my question. Where is God asking you to reimagine? Where is he kind of poking on you, asking you to reimagine the way you see yourself or reimagine the way you see the world? Um, Here's some things that I felt like the Holy Spirit said uh, for us. So this may be for you, this may not, but here's some questions. Uh, uh, Here's some things. I think for some of you, um, your right hand has been cut off, and I think Jesus wants to invite you to imagine what your life might look like if you learned to paint with your left hand whether it was trauma or mistakes or just life, but you feel anxiety or fear or stuck because you're trying to live uh, right-handed. And I think for some of us, Jesus has saying, have you tried it with your left hand? Maybe Jesus hasn't given up on you. Maybe he's just asking you to reimagine some things. Uh, Here's another, uh, for some of you, I think the spirit wants to offer you a fresh way of looking at power, an imagination for small in a world of huge. I think for some of us, the Spirit wants to offer us a, a glimpse of some hidden things. He wants to offer you a glimpse of some things that are hidden to almost everybody else, but He wants to, to allow you to see them, things in yourself or things in other people, uh, the activity and the compassion of the kingdom of heaven that has been crammed into every crevice of this world. I think the Holy Spirit wants to offer some of us eyes to see. I think all, really all of us eyes to see it. And then finally, I think for others, the Spirit wants to give you an imagination and a gift of greater patience. If I said something about rushing and you were like, ooh, maybe it's you. I think the Holy Spirit wants to give you an imagination for waiting and the gift of patience. The gift of taking two steps back to see the value of slow in a uh, work that you wish was quicker. Or maybe offer you some repentance around a life and a heart that are filled with hurry. So I'm just going to pray and we're going to sit and we're going to let that warm carbon monoxide of God fill us.
So, Father, uh, we just say, come, Holy Spirit. We, uh, we believe that you are here, but will you wake us up to your presence here? I pray for those of us who um, are frustrated by a right-handed way of living. Will you uh, allow us to hear your invitation to try with our left hand? Pray for the reminder that you are not finished. You are not finished. I pray um, for a new and fresh imagination for how we see power. Will you give us eyes to see small? I pray that over the next few days, like it will just be like a laughter inducing, oh, look at that little thing. Will you give us eyes to see small? I pray uh, that you will give us uh, eyes and imagination for things that are hidden. Uh, but not just that, I pray that as we see them, you would give us the courage to talk about them and to call them out. That when we see someone and we see some no brilliant or magnificent work that you're doing in their lives that they may not even see. Will you give us the courage to look them in the eye and say, I see this in you. Or I see, I think God is up to this in my neighborhood or my work or whatever. Will you give us the courage to not just see it, but speak it. And then I pray for those of us, oh, for me, for all of us in this room, who feel the uh, prick of conviction around waiting and patience. Will you give us a new imagination for an unrushed life? And I think for a lot of us in the room that will take a um, supernatural and miraculous work of patience, gift of patience. So we just open up our hands and say, and take it. 